This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat. And a lot to talk about tonight with Georgia holding their scrimmage on Saturday and Kirby Smart meeting with the media. And obviously we always start with quarterbacks, right? We don't know who the quarterback's going to be for this Georgia football team. Uh, obviously Kirby's built a machine. He's had success with a lot of quarterbacks. And as long as the defense and special teams are playing well and the quarterback does his job, it's that simple, right? Well, I guess it is if you've got the talent that Georgia's had. 15 guys drafted into the NFL last year. Was it nine year before this year, 10 to 12? Another talented Georgia football team, but who will be at the controls? It started Saturday with the scrimmage. Mike Bobo's first overseeing the offense as the new offensive coordinator. And again, this is an ongoing process. And Kirby has said plainly that the dynamics of the quarterback battle have not changed. He saw scrimmage one, nothing's changed. Beck, Vandergriff, still going to split the reps with the one. Gunnar Stockton still going to run with the twos. So nothing has changed. The team is still learning the offense, learning new personnel. And keep this in mind. You didn't see Brock Bowers or Ladd McConkey out there running a whole lot. The top two tailbacks were out injured. Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards with hamstring injuries. So it's not like you've really got your A group out there on offense when you're missing those playmakers. And they ran a lot of plays. Might have been 150, might have been 200, I don't know. So when you hear there were 10 sacks, sounds like a lot until you realize, well, they played like three or the equivalent of three or four offensive football games, right? So that's 3%. Still too much. But remember, Kirby whistles it early. There's no tackling the quarterback. So once a guy gets close and puts a hand on the quarterback, Kirby's going to blow that whistle. He doesn't want his defensive guys trying to prove anything. And it really kind of gets the quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quicker. Um, of course, there's a difference now. Uh, back, more of a pocket guy. He has some elusivity, some escapability, and, and he's a pretty good athlete. But he's not the runner that Vandergriff is. When Vandergriff takes off and runs, he really runs. Back, more of a thrower. So um, to share some numbers I got from um, some people in attendance. And again, Kirby, Kirby didn't let the media go uh, to scrimmages yet. Now, in, in 2018, when he had two quarterbacks, he actually had an open scrimmage. And I wonder if he'll do that this fall, like he did in 2018, because of the circumstance, right? Because of multiple quarterbacks. And it's not because he wants to be nice to fans or nice to media. It's simply because sometimes he wants to see what a guy's going to do with the crowd there. With, with people in attendance, because it does make a difference for a first-time quarterback. Uh, so dialing it back, back 13 of 26, 163 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Brock Vandergriff, 16 of 29, three touchdowns, no interceptions, according to those people who were there. So the difference. Listen, Carson Beck has a much better grasp of the offense. He looks smooth running it. Uh, you could see that last year in the games. And that's carried over into the scrimmages. It's not like Bobo's redoing the whole offense. He just has to shift things around because there's different personnel. And there would have been different personnel for Todd Munkin. This offense would look different with Todd Munkin, too. So you're going to hear a lot of people go, oh, my gosh, it's not the Munkin offense. Well, it can't be because Darnell Washington is gone. He's a generational talent. There's not another guy that can do what Darnell did as that second tight end. You can put Oscar Delp there, and he's improved his blocking, but he's not Darnell. You can't do the same things. Same thing. You don't have Kenny McIntosh, best pass-catching running back Georgia ever had, 
You don't have him there. Even James Cook, another really talented pass. The next guy up can't do it to that extent. And Kendall Melton's okay, but that's not what he specializes in. Same thing with Dejon Edwards. They're okay. They're serviceable. But Kenny and Cook were special catching the ball. You didn't see drop passes. You realize Kenny McIntosh didn't have a drop pass his entire Georgia football career. Find another runner. I don't know if there has been another running back with the number of catches Kenny had without a drop. But the point is, the personnel's different. And so the plays are going to be different. The formations are going to be different. And back, even though he's been in the offense three years and Vandergrift two years, they're having to adjust to some changes. So the fact that their numbers weren't overwhelming in the first scrimmage, Kirby called it an ebb and flow. That's not surprising. Now, you'd like to hear that Carson took better care of the ball. As I understand it, he completed seven of his first nine passes, and then he got a little sloppy. Right. And, and as Kirby said, made some bad decisions that he'd like back. And, and Kirby talks about decision making. Kirby said decision making would be the key to the quarterback battle. He said he wanted guys to make good decisions, not get the team beat, avoid the bonehead plays. You heard that word bonehead with Stetson a few times as he was learning the offense. I think Carson is further along than where Stetson was when Stetson took over in 2020 for the first time. So I don't think the adjustment period will be as great, but I've got questions about the supporting cast. I, I don't know that we're ready to say the skill position players are as versatile. I say they're not as good because obviously Lad McCockey's done great things. Brock Bowers you know, built a statue now. That's the first ballot Hall of Famer off this offense. That's the guy on the Georgia Mount Rushmore. He's amazing, right? Bails out a lot of bad throws, gets open in coverage, makes a lot of wrongs, right? Whoever wins the quarterback job is going to have Brock Bowers and Latin Conkey. They're also going to have Dominic Lovett. The transfer from Missouri has done an outstanding job. He has transitioned in better than better than Ra Ra Thomas, the Mississippi State receiver. Kirby said Ra Ra is coming along, but he wants him to be more dependable. So that's kind of a message to Ra Ra Thomas. He's got more work to do. I think Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, right now might be the leader for that X position. Step in. When A.D. Mitchell, who went to Texas, I think Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saints fighting for that job. I think Ra Ra Thomas was brought in to win it, but I don't know. He's not going to be given it. It's not going to be given to him. Who knows? Maybe Dominic Lovett can win it before it's all over with. And McConkey can play anywhere. Just a reliable guy you can count on and depend on, as Kirby says. Tight end Brock Bowers on one side. Not sure how much double tight ends you're going to see, just to be honest. Hearing great things about Lawson Lucky, the freshman, as I understand, he had at least two touchdown catches. And Delp, Delp is playing well, too. So a lot of good quality depth at that tight end position, but not a guy like Darnell. I don't think you're going to see a guy uh, out there that just crushes defenders like Darnell Washington did. But the quarterback battle, getting back to that, it's about where we thought it would be. Now, there's some people that are saying, well, what about Gunnar Stockton? Well, Gunnar Stockton is still learning the offense, and, and you have to understand this is not as simple as memorizing the playbook. This is like – Almost like you, you hear the, the phrase fly the jet for a lot of quarterbacks and pro style offenses. There's a lot of nuances and feel to this, a lot of adjustments and a very constrained window to get all this called lined up properly, recognize everything, make the side adjustments for your protections, uh, adjust the routes, make sure the line, the, uh, the receivers, because the spacing is it has to be impeccable. That's a real key. Um, to successful offensive play is for these receivers to have ideal spacing has to do with everything. The quarterback's got to make sure and adjust, and then he's got to call the right play. 
Because Bobo is not just going to give him one play to go line of scrimmage. You're going to have a couple plays to choose from, depending on what the defense does. And then depending on what the defense does, the quarterback or Cedric Van Pran can change blocking assignments to make sure that the Georgia offensive line has the proper leverage against the defensive front. So there is a lot going on in that 15 or 20 seconds for those Georgia quarterbacks after they break the huddle. And it takes time to get it down. And we've seen Georgia quarterbacks do a phenomenal job of this, whether it was Jake Fromm or JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. All of them have been really good at managing the offense. And right now, Carson is the best at that. He's the smoothest, the most proficient. But if he keeps turning the ball over, that's going to be a problem. Brock Vandegrift, not as proficient with the offense yet, not as smooth going through the transitions uh, in terms of or excuse me, yeah, going through the different uh, or potential receivers. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. And the arm looks really good. Kirby Smart said Brock made some good plays uh, out of the pocket. He can also run the ball, right? Uh, he's just got to get better with the progressions when he goes through the receivers a little bit quicker. Again, reps. It takes repetition. It takes time and time and time again to get that field. But Stockton's not there yet. Noticeably not there yet. And he does what he can do. He continues to improve. It's perfectly normal for a guy at this stage of his career who's had these limited number of reps uh, with the first or second team. Uh, it struggles too much of a word, but to not be as proficient as the guys that have been doing it for a year and two years more. Doesn't mean he's completely out of the quarterback competition. It just means at this stage, he's not where Brock and Carson are at. So, Quarterback competition, about what we thought, neither quarterback looked really good in the third down situations. Uh, some of this had to do with the defense, by the way. Georgia does have a pretty good secondary. You know, one of the guys who's really emerged as a star is Javon Bullard. He was the MVP of the CFP championship game, the defensive MVP. It, you know, played really well. You saw him against Ohio State uh, with the big hit on Marvin Harrison back at the end zone. Really pivotal play. Probably turned the momentum in that game. And, and you saw him in other games. Kirby would use him as a blitzer or, or Glenn Schumann or Will Muschamp, the brain trust over there. They've really found ways to, for Javon Bullard to be disruptive to the offense. Now, but I've always thought about him doing that closer to the line of scrimmage and as a hitter. But now Kirby's comparing him to Chris Smith, tremendous playmaking safety, and he's got Bullard lined up over there in that safety spot. He was at the star last year, the guy that plays in space kind of between the secondary linebacker, kind of a hybrid spot. Now he's in the secondary. So it'll be really interesting to see how Javon Bullard's cover skills hold up in spring camp and into the fall. And does he stick here? Uh, there's other options. There's other experienced guys uh, right now. Uh, Dan Jackson injured still, by the way, still coming off of that foot from last year. So quarterback battle, though, probably Vandergriff probably had the better day in terms of touchdowns without turnovers, showing the mobility Kirby likes running the ball. Uh, maybe better decision-making. Kirby did mention there were a couple throws Brock made um, out of bounds that he thought maybe if they were inbounds, they'd turn into 50-50 balls. But but maybe Vandergriff's erring on the side of extreme caution, wanting to avoid turnovers, because he knows that that's a deal-breaker for Kirby. Again, nothing's changed. Kirby's exact words is one guy didn't stand out. So the competition will continue. And, and I think when you look at Georgia's schedule next year, I think it serves Georgia well in the respect that it's easy on the front end where you've got time to play two quarterbacks, quality snaps, right? You open with UT Martin at home, then you have Ball State at home, and then I believe you have South Carolina at home, 
And then you've got UAB at home, right? Four straight home games. And then your road game is at Auburn. I think maybe by then you need to know who you're going to trust completely under center, hostile environment. A lot of the Georgia players talk about Auburn still being one of the tougher places to play. Kind of interesting stuff. I'm going to stop there for now. I want to take my halftime break. When I come back, I want to talk more about the secondary. I want to talk about the preseason All-American on Georgia's team, defensive All-American, that is having surgery. You probably heard about it. I want to expand a little bit on that a little bit more. And then uh, talk also about maybe the Achilles heel of the team, maybe the, the group that needs the most beefing up before the season starts. I'll be back right after this break. Let's recognize our sponsor, Ingles. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department, or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Welcome back. You know, Kirby was talking to us Saturday about the scrimmage. There was, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 of the credentialed media uh, that were there for the press conference after the scrimmage over at Buttsmere Heritage Hall. And he said, you know, he said it's the eighth spring. And he said it's the same every time. Didn't tackle well, lackadaisical, more penalties uh, than they're used to having, administrative penalties, getting the signal in. Kirby's not happy with any of that, but he says, look, this is typical. This is this is what the first scrimmage is. And so he didn't seem real worked up. Now, one area that I think has a lot of people's attention is the outside linebacker group. And you think about where Georgia was just a few years ago, right? You had Aziz Ajilari, you had Jermaine Johnson, and you had Nolan Smith third string. That's how good they were. It was amazing. The depth of talent was unbelievable. And now it's very inexperienced. Jazz Chambliss really the only experienced guy there. And how experienced is Jazz when you get right down to it? Kirby says extremely green, never had an outside linebacker room with this little experience. And yet he, he likes these. The problem is you have some guys that are injured, right? Marvin Jones, Jalen Walker. Uh, you know, you, you have talent there. C.J. Madden, Darius Smith. Kirby says he wouldn't trade these guys for anybody. But at the same time, he recognizes how much growth and how much these guys need reps. And he will get a lot of reps. Georgia will play a lot of football between now and the opening game. Kirby had it right down. He had it nailed down. He said, we got 26 practices left. So you got five more this spring, right? Is that right? Is it five or six? I'm trying to think. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, six. Six more to go. So practice 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So your, your, your practice 10 is going to be tomorrow night. It all leads up to the April 15th scrimmage, G-Day game. And I don't know how much Kirby's really going to show the crowd. I'm sure there'll be some, some bells and whistles and razzle-dazzle. They'll try to excite people, but, but probably not a very good indicator uh, of what you're going to see from the offense. Uh, you know, why would you, why would you put all that out there? But there'll, there'll, be some, there'll be some quality reps for a lot of the young guys you've heard about, but they really need to beef up uh, the outside linebacker room. The, the preseason All-American having surgery is Michael Williams. And Michael, of course, was a freshman, one of two Georgia players uh, that were on the 30-member freshman All-American team last year, uh, led the team in sacks, tied for the team lead with Jalen Carter in quarterback pressures. Uh, really special guy. And the way Kirby explained this injury, Michael was dealing with this injury last year. This is a foot injury. I uh, forget the name of the, 
of the seismorolica bowl. I'm going to butcher the name of the bone. I'm not a doctor, but a bone in his foot that he'd been having trouble with. Um, and uh, here it is, seismoid bone. Ryan Corson, director of sports medicine, head trainer, talked with Michael Williams' parents about this. And they basically said, look, you know, this hasn't gotten better or well enough with the treatment. Let's just go ahead and get the surgery. And Michael's expected to be back running in June. And you know that Kirby's not going to have this kid um, miss any more time than he has to. He was able to get in half a sprain, probably see some things. And, uh, and so that's the surgery. That's kind of the news there. I'll tell you, if there's one thing that's holding me back, a lot of people are trying to say, well, this could be the best Georgia defense ever based on recruiting rankings and experience returning. And I'm just, the thing that holds me back is you just, you've lost two first round, you've lost four first round guys in the last two years. Think about this, the 2021 defense, the guys that had their hand to the four guys that were down all first round draft picks, right? Trevon Walker, number one overall, Jordan Davis, right? And Devontae Wyatt, Nolan, and then Jalen was back. You had five first-round picks on your defensive line. You know, and they, they kind of count that outside linebacker that lines up on the line as a, as a defensive line, like Kirby says he does. So who's the next first-rounder, right? Maybe, maybe Michael, but, but who else? I mean, I don't know if I've seen enough from Barry Alexander or Zion Logue or Nazir Stackhouse to save their first-round picks. I, I'm, just, I'm not there with it yet, or Chaz Chambliss. And – those are the players that make the difference in games. I mean, everything starts at the line of scrimmage, right? And I don't know that Georgia has as dominant. They're going to be good. They're still going to load up and stop the run. But, I mean, they had some wrecking balls. I mean, they just – they destroyed Tennessee, right? Tennessee didn't have time to throw the ball. We go back to that game, one versus one game. Nobody had stopped Tennessee like that. Well, the secret was Georgia's defensive line in concert with 136, 137 decibel home crowd made it really difficult for Tennessee at the line of scrimmage. Those factors, the crowd made a difference. The defensive line made a difference. And I just don't know who those guys are going to be. I know this. I know Javon Bullard talked about him in the first segment tonight. He had a pick six off Carson Beck. Nylon Green, Dalen Everett, Kirby Smart said those guys also had interceptions. And Kamari Lassiter, I don't know if you've seen the guy up close, but I mean, he's a good-sized guy. I mean, Georgia's got some good, uh, big type of physical corners that really come up and run support. They really tackle well. Just such a such a sound football team defensively. It's really been the key. These defenses Kirby's put on the field have been remarkable. The offense have, have done enough, and there's been some special players, obviously. But, but when you've got a defense like this, it sure does give you a pretty wide margin for error because there were some games the offense didn't play real well. You, know, you think about the Missouri game. You think about the Kentucky game. You think about the whole first half of the Georgia Tech game was a struggle. Uh, you think about the third quarter against Ohio State. I mean, there was some bad moments for the offense, and the defense really kept them going. And this defense is good in the back seven. I'm just not sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, they're great in the back seven. They're good in the front. I don't know that they're great in the front. I need to see more from the guys up front on defense. Warren Brinson, another guy you need to see emerge. Um, you want to see emerge. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, running backs, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Roderick Robinson, Branson Robinson, I mean, kind of the same guy, right? Combine them, Broderick Robinson, Roderick and Branson. And, and I mean, they're both skilled runners. They're both powerful runners. Uh, Kirby said they're both still learning their pass protections. 
and or indicated them they needed to get better at that. Don't know how much they're really going to be used to catch the ball in the backfield. That's why Kirby moved some walk-ons there from receiver and DB. Um, you know, Savon Clark, I understand, walk-on. This guy carries a lot of – carries the load in a lot of these spring drills. you got to have a good back, and Savon Clark is it. Um, but but I think they're probably – I still think this. Nobody's told me this, but I think they're going to try to add a running back on the portal. And, and not just because of the depth with Kendall and Dejan and Andrew Paul all out right now with injuries. But just to have a guy that can catch the ball, just one potential third down guy working a package. Uh, I, I feel like that was an important component last year for Munkin. And I think Bobo would probably like that. Um, keep your eye on that to see what they do about that. Maybe we'll see some, who knows, maybe we'll see some, um, you know, some, some H back action. I don't know. It could be, it could be interesting. Uh, at the running back position, something got my eye. I, I did want to say this about the women's, the Georgia women's basketball team. I watched the LSU Iowa game, and, and the reason I say this is because Georgia had Iowa beat in Iowa City. I mean, I thought they were. I, I said watching that game, you know, if this game wasn't played in Iowa's home arena, because in women's basketball, the top seeds hosted their sites for for attendance. If this game wasn't in Iowa, I believe Georgia would have beat Iowa. I really do. I, Coach Abe has done an unbelievable job. Um, and remember, they played LSU at LSU this year, took LSU to overtime. So Georgia women's basketball could be right there. And I think TV sports are important. I mean, obviously, the revenue sports are the most important. Football is king, drives the revenue train. We know that. Men's basketball second. But when you get into the other sports that are other team sports in particular, they're televised, baseball, softball, women's basketball. I think those sports are important because they represent the school and whether you want it to give off a taste or an inclination about your school's commitment to athletic success, it does, you can't help it. And the, the issues with baseball are pretty well documented. They're way behind in facilities. Uh, it's been put off time and time again. Scott Strickland, uh, you know, really le- not on a level playing field with other schools in the SEC. They don't wave out of state tuition like some of the schools that Georgia competes with. Uh, they're doing what they can. They just don't have any pitching. Really a struggle for Georgia baseball. Georgia softball atop the SEC. Uh, been a minute. And finally realizing their potential. I've said a long time, Georgia should be one of the top two or three softball programs in the country. Because the travel ball in this state and the high school coaches in Georgia are amazing. It's it's the best southeastern state for softball. Hands down, not even close. And Georgia should be a dominator. Um, you know, they, they've always been pretty good. They've made a few World Series trips. They haven't won a national title yet. But this team this year could be a World Series team. And uh, it's a tremendous series. Took the first two from Kentucky. So, um, you know, got to say a lot for Tony Ball. They at one point 11, 11 wins in a row after they beat Kentucky. Came from behind to beat Kentucky Sunday. It's their 11th win in a row. Um, pretty impressive. And now women's basketball with Coach Abe. Now, what's it going to take for men's basketball? Uh, it's a whole other show, but bottom line, you get what you pay for, right, folks? So um, that's going to do it for now. For me, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at MikeGriffith32. Always enjoy. Oh, there was one other anecdote that Kirby told us the other day, and I wrote a story about this today. You know, Kirby always talks about the disease of complacency, right, the disease of entitlement. And, and I asked him, I said, hey, how's Jamon Dumas Johnson doing? Because, you know, Jamon's had kind of a rough offseason. I think it's pretty well documented. And uh, he said, well, you know, actually him and Smile, he said, I had to call him in my office the other day. He said, you know, he was watching him practice. And he felt like they just, they didn't have that same edge. So he called him in and he put tape on from last year's spring. 
And he said to the guys, now, do, do you guys look like those guys? Because those guys last year were hungry. And he talked about how last year, Jamon and, and Smile both had something to prove, right? There were a lot of doubters, a lot of questions being asked with 15 guys going. And he's a little worried that, you know, maybe this team doesn't have that. So he called them in. He said they got the message, makes a difference. But when you look for, for things that separate Kirby Smart from other elite coaches, it would have been easy for Kirby to go, ah, you know, those guys are different. I know what they can do. But instead he said, no, no, I need that edge. I need these guys to continue uh, to eat off the floor, as he calls it, to sweep the shop, uh, the latest uh, axiom he's come up with. And he said it wasn't that they were doing anything wrong. It's they, they weren't doing it right enough to meet the Georgia standard. So, uh, boy, Kirby all in, great control of the program. Uh, I think, you know, on the field, it's been a good offseason. Obviously, some things off the field, Georgia's still uh, clearing up the program, kind of you know, taking a look at itself, looking to, you know, improve some things, oversight issues, um, progress being made on all fronts. Again, follow me on Twitter at Mike Griffith 32. A lot of takes, a lot of links to stories every day, 10 o'clock dog nation daily with Brandon Adams. And then Wednesday night, uh, Jeff Centel with his Intel in before the hedges. So uh, I want to thank my producer tonight and uh, the dog nation team. And uh, I'll be seeing you guys again next week.